What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to The State of Us. Beyond mainstream cable news and party lines, with a millennial and a boomer, the state of us pushes past the noise and uncovers all the issues that matter. Here's your host, Justin T. Weller. Older people in romantic relationships are staying together longer by living apart. And recent data shows that same-sex couples feel more satisfied than their heterosexual counterparts. Relationships are changing. That much is for sure. But today, Lance and I are going to look at exactly what is changing about relationships and what are some of the lessons that can be learned from some of these new developments in the realm of relationships. Maybe there's something you can implement that could help you. And you might ask, well, if I'm not in a relationship... Why do I care? Well, that's a great question, Bradley. I'm glad you asked. The reason is because my guess is that at least half of the people you know probably are in relationships. And the reality is the quality of their relationships impacts you. And somebody at some point is probably going to vent to you about a relationship. And now you'll be able to offer a more intelligent advice. So that's why you care. So we're going to look at all things relationships, but of course, we can't begin this critical conversation without. True Chat senior historian and an educator of more than 30 years, here is your friendly redneck liberal, Lance Jackson. Well, of course, if we're going to have relationship talks, I've got to be in on it because I am the master of relationships. Oh, <clears throat> the master. Do we need to call your agent and confirm that? I do. Yeah, well, I think it should be a new title or as part of the lead in here. Oh. Not only senior historian, but master relationship. Okay. So senior historian, educator of 30 years, master of relationships, there your you friendly redneck liberal. <laughs> All I know is, like you were telling Bradley, it seems like my phone rings quite a bit with me talking to people of all sorts mm-hmm. about their the human interaction that they have with one another. So yeah, well, because I think I've got a lot of experience a lot talking of, about this. A lot of this is specific to romantic relationships, but then a lot of it you're going to hear. I think it's very practical advice for all relationships. I think so too. No, right? I, I, that's what I was referring to. So, right, just uh, how do you get along with other people, and especially in a closed environment, and when you enter that relationship, and and what kind of relationship do you have? Affects a lot of things, but the key, right? I'm going to say it right off the top instead of waiting till the last bit of the show. If you want to have a good relationship with someone, you need to have good communication skills. A number one, you have to be able to communicate. So now everything that we talk about throughout the show is going to just reinforce that point, I think, I, right? Well, that's, I sure think so. Having read both these so articles. So now people don't need to listen, Lance. You gave it all away. <laughs> no, because the big reveal. you need it's to done. know. <laughs> How to do the communicating. Oh, okay. So I have to keep listening because you do. I, I need the details. Well, and you might think I'm wrong. Right. So you have to listen to the show and say, gee, was he right or not? I've thrown it out there. That doesn't mean that it's correct. 
Well, you got a lot of you know followers out there. They might just. I know. I know. Just, well, so, he just told so us. Cool. So we we're, we got it now. We're good. But now they have to go back and now how to defend the argument. <laughs> yes. Yes. So the details. Let's start broad overview, right? We've we've actually spoken a good bit in this new year, 2020, um, about the changing nature of the world for men, of the changing nature of the world for women. And now we're kind of going to look at the changing nature of relationships. So all of this is kind of in that same personal human existence vein. And one of the things we talked a lot about already, and I think it's just important that we mention it again, is how domestic chores and time spent on child and adult care has changed over time. Mm -hmm. Because this illuminates part of why all this other stuff is going on is because the amount of time spent on these things um, has changed. So domestic chores, this is the daily time that Americans spend on things like cooking, cleaning, uh, mowing the lawn, et cetera, right? Those sorts of things. So from 1961 to 1971, women spent an average of three hours and 47 minutes, okay? Per day. Yes, per day. So almost just shy of four hours a day. Right. Just shy of four hours a day versus <laughs> men in the same time period, 1961 to 1971, spent just 44 minutes per day mm-hmm. on these items. Yep. Okay. Now, here's what's happened. That probably included getting out the hammock and the umbrella for when they got done mowing the lawn that they could sit in the shade while the woman brought them some lemonade. Yes. <laughs> some, something to that effect. Um now, if we fast forward to today, 2010 to through 2015, which is the last year for which data is available, okay, women spend an average of two hours and six minutes, so just about two hours, almost in half, right? Versus men's one hour and eighteen minutes, okay, not quite doubled. Yeah, so women's time has been cut in half, men's time has doubled, but the key there, right, is they're still not equal. Right. Women are still spending almost 45 minutes more per day doing domestic work. Now, here's the other one, child and adult care. So this, a little different here, is the time that American women spend on these things like child and adult care. So Mm -hmm. taking care of children, taking care of parents, compared with men, okay? So they spend, on average, they spend more time on this. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. But in 1961 through 1971, they spent three, almost three and a half times as much time on this as men did. Okay. okay? So almost triple, over mm-hmm. triple the amount of time that men spent. Right. Versus in 2010 to 2015, about 1.9% or 2%. So not as it the chart makes it look like a big reduction because it starts with 3.4 way up at the top and then 1.9 way down at the bottom. But when you think about how far we're actually moving there, it's not really that. I mean, it's good. So overall, you would say we've gotten better at divvying up the chores, but it still leans that the female in the relation, in a heterosexual relationship is doing more than men. Correct. So we've made strides in the right direction, we're still not there. Right. Okay. Well, here's the other thing I just want to, I want to throw in there on this before we, before we look at other stuff. Cause I think this is important, Lance, you and I mentioned this before, and it's hard to keep in mind because 
Lance and I are big proponents, at least I like to think we are, right, of trying to do what we can do to advance communication and relationships and and particularly helping women excel or at least talking about these issues that are real things that we feel are important, especially for men to talk about. Because a lot of times it's men either intentionally or unintentionally preventing the women from doing this. So that's mm-hmm. part of why we feel it's important to talk about. At the same time, it's also important to note that it's easy for us to jump to the conclusion that the end goal is for the time to be equal. And I don't know if the goal is for the time to be equal or if the goal is for everyone to be satisfied with with how much time they're investing in those things. Because I guess my point there is, you know, if someday, for example, we found out it reversed and men were spending 20 or 40 more minutes, would we then say that, no, that should go back to, it should be on average, it should be equal? Or would we say a conscious choice has been made and we're good with it? I understand it's historically different because of the societal pressure on women. I guess I'm just saying, isn't the end goal that everybody communicate and decide? Because- Maybe you have a situation, right, where a man wants to stay home more than the woman. So he's going to, he would skew the average in the other direction. Just like if you have a woman who wants to stay home and who wants to spend more time on that while somebody else goes out and work, it's not our position to tell those people that that's, that they shouldn't do that. Oh, I totally, I totally get that. And I, and you're right. It does need to be, and I guess it depends on, on your household. If both people are working, then I think the working outside the home and both are working. We're both working full-time jobs. Right. Then it probably should be split down the middle because then there's going to be animosity because, well, you're not doing what I'm doing. That's a good way to put it. It also has to be two because we had this at our house with our daughters. We gave them chores. There were chores to do and we split them. But they got to where they liked doing certain things, but the other one didn't like to do that thing. But the other one liked, like, one didn't mind cleaning the bathrooms, but hated doing the laundry. And the other one wanted to do laundry, never wanted to clean the bathrooms. Well, we let them switch and negotiate. We said, okay, here's what needs to be done. And we kept an eye on it to make sure that the older one wasn't (laughs) taking advantage of the younger one. Uh But at the same time, it was like, this is what they wanted to do because right. to your point, what do you enjoy doing? And I know that I've always told my wife that, and, it, and I actually did it last year for the most part, when I didn't go to work per se, other than my you know, work that you make me do here at True Chat. Um, Slave but, away. But other than that, <laughs> I was taking care of the home. And I always told people I would have loved to have been mm-hmm. a stay-at-home dad and taking care of the kids and cooked and cleaned and ran the house. Yeah. Um, and I got to do that last year, and it's really kind of nice. I mean, um, if you haven't done it, you might you might try it. It's there are a lot of things to be said for that, where you kind of control, you know what you have to get done during the day, and you get to dictate and, and make out your own schedule. Right. It's kind of like being your own boss, mm-hmm. which I had never been able to do, right. and it was it was kind of enjoyable, you know. But people said, oh, you know, and I got all. All kinds of, you know, false praise. Oh, look at we He's such a great husband. And look at what he's doing. But it's what I wanted to do. And so it made, it made me happy. And right. it made our relationship better. 
So we've talked a little bit so far about the overall trends, domestic chores, child and adult care, how these differ for men and women and maybe what the end goal should be. Next up, though, we're going to look at what have these older couples figured out in order to stay together? They're living apart. What's the answer to that? Also, why do same sex spouses feel more satisfied with their partners than their heterosexual counterparts? These are some big questions that we still need to answer. To find out, you'll have to keep it here on The State of Us, and we'll be right back. We are The State of Us. Here's your host, Justin T. Weller. Older people in romantic relationships are staying together longer by living apart. What have they figured out? Well, we're referencing here a Wall Street Journal article. And of course, you can find it linked at thestateofus.org, thestateofus.org. Check out this article because we're not going to really talk about the whole thing, but a couple important points. First, um, a survey of 2,166 adults ages 50 to 65 found that nearly one third of those adults in unmarried relationships were in a committed long-term relationship, but living apart. So they're not married, but they're committed, right? They've made a commitment and they're and it's a long-term thing, but they're not living together, Lance. The key word here, I think, is that they began this committed relationship later in life. Yes. And <clears throat> it's not like they've done it since they were in their 20s. And it goes on to explain that unmarried partnered adults between the ages of 57 to 85 so now we're going up even higher in age, were twice as likely to have separate homes as to live together. I totally get that in that you've established a rapport or a relationship with your spouse. And so that, that you keep. But if you were, if something were to happen and you started up a new relationship, you're pretty much set in your ways, right? I mean, would you say that I'm pretty much set in my ways? <laughs> At this point in my life, <laughs> no, you know, I, I would the, never. You know, um, I would never. Well, say I would that. say it about okay, myself. Well, that since that you I'm, said it, that I'm pretty much set in my ways. Now, that doesn't mean that I might not become interested in someone else, but I kind of like the way my life is, right? And I like the way it is with my wife. Mm -hmm. But if things were to change for some reason, which I hope they don't, but if they were, I still wouldn't want to give up where I live and how I have to, to start all over again. Right. I, I did that once. You'd want to keep. I, I want to keep me and mm -hmm. I want to keep my routine and, and where I am. Well, I think people get, maybe as they get older, they and get. And I probably don't want to bring somebody else in. Right. Because that's not their space. Well, it's going to, yeah. It's going to be odd because you have such a long it's established space history. that I established mm -hmm. with, my, with my spouse for all those years. I don't want somebody else coming into that space. Do you think that part- Doesn't mean that I don't need human relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm still going to want human- So, I mean, I can really see this. It may, it makes a lot of sense. Because you're still going to want to be, you're still going to want to have meaningful connections with people, right. but opening yourself up to what you've established and bringing them into it, even if they're a good person- can mess that up. It, it changes it. That's for sure. And maybe it's, you don't want that. The other well, thing and is- on the other end, they've played the dating game and everything too before. Right. And they don't want to. Yeah. They've got their routine. They've got their way of life. And they both kind of feel that right. way. Right. And we both, you know, maybe we, you have things in common that you like to do, 
but you also have certain ways you want it done that may not be necessarily compatible. Do you think part of it too, Lance, has to do with maybe as you get older? And again, here's the other thing. We didn't say this in the first segment, but I think this is really important. This is all very on the average stuff that we're talking about, right? Sure, which you don't like, right? Because it's 40%. Yeah, it's right. 40% it's chance it's going to rain today. Yeah, 40% it's, chance We don't like rain. average right. or mean or any of that stuff. Yeah, right? and, and we're talking about it because this is the only practical way to talk about the data. Sure. It wouldn't be feasible to say we're going to look at the 50 different, you know, ways that this culminates and then try to, it just, it would take too long. It's not realistic. But the reason I'm saying that is because Please don't think Lance and I are not suggesting that this is the way it is in each of these cases always, right? It's never, never, and it's never always. Well, it said two, th- it only said a third were living apart, meaning two thirds are. Right. Two thirds are living together. Exactly. So, so please keep that, right. keep that in mind. A third living apart means that's still outside the quote norm. Yeah. The, the norm is people still get, even in older relationships, older people still will, will get together and live, to, and live together. So do you think that part of it is that on average, as you get older, you start to get a stronger sense of self, who you are, what you stand for, why you feel the way you feel about things. And maybe that's part of this too. I mean, I was just listening to what you were talking about because it'd be easy for young people like me to listen, right? And be like, well, that's just them being stubborn and stuck in their way. Just being old and stubborn. Right. right. Well, and, and it's not to say that part of it maybe isn't some of that, right. but it is to say that part of it is no, I know what I want. I know what I like. I know like. who I am. I'm comfortable in my own skin. Right. And, right. Exactly. And I guess I just wanted to- To make that aware to younger people who are still struggling to find themselves and who are you and what is it that makes you happy and what do you want to do right. with your life? Because- Yeah. I've, I've reached that stage. Yeah. I know what makes me happy. I know what I want to do and I'm comfortable in my own skin. So one of the things that's mentioned in the article, and actually Lance um, highlighted this portion that he thought was important to mention- the Montreal couple that they're talking about who celebrated their 20th anniversary of not living together uh, f- eventually talked about uh, living together and getting married, but then neither of them decided that was the right move. He wakes up early and is an introvert who cherishes private space. She is an extrovert who stays up late and likes to be with friends and family. Quote, I don't think it would work as well if we lived together, said Mr. Dimitri, a 63-year-old retired draftsman who spends several nights a week at her apartment because it's bigger. The only downside, he says, is the 15-minute drive. Quote, the assumption is that if you really love each other, you'll live together. My question is, says who? Miss Hyman, 56, a filmmaker who is making documentaries about living apart. And I think you, you mentioned it in the first segment of the show is this is where that communication comes in and you do what is right for you, right? I mean, they've obviously made it work and they're, they're very committed to one another. They just don't do it in the quote normal fashion. And why should people have to? Why do we have to, to meet societal stere- stereotypes to be happy? Well, the, the answer is we don't. We really probably should take a look at it and say, well, if this works for me, then great. If it doesn't, what way would work better for this relationship? And unfortunately, we don't do that. We just automatically assume everybody, you know, you get married. Okay, now you're going you're to sleep in the same bed. Okay, well, one of you tosses and turns. Or the other one 
they snore. They keep the other one. What I mean. Well, that's why, only why a relatively does that have to be? I know. Anyway. I understand now, but it's still a, <laughs> it's still a push towards what I'm saying. I know. You know. Um, well, it is, but it isn't because if you go back to the 50s, we couldn't show people in bed together, and so married couples had to sleep in separate twin beds, and but they still put them in the same room. Right. I but, guess my point but why is— why does it have to be that way to say that you love somebody and that you care about that person and that you want to spend the rest of your life with them? Why can't there be parameters out there that fit individual likes and dislikes? Maybe the divorce rate would be lower too because isn't part of it it's you, you're throwing out the baby with the bathwater type of thing because we are conditioned— as a, as an American society, right, that it's all or nothing. And what I mean by that is we're led to believe that, okay, I have this relationship with somebody, right? And I really value these parts of it, but man, there's this thing about them that just, you know, ooh, it drives me crazy. And you live with them and it drives you crazy long enough. And now it's, I don't give a damn about any of the good stuff anymore because I can't stand the stuff that I don't like. So now we ruin the whole thing because, because we're told that the only way for us to be together is to live together. And I can't, you know, and not, not me, but I can't take that anymore. Right. Right. And so now it's, I'm just going to throw the whole thing away because if we have to live together, I can't make it work. I wonder, I guess I'm saying, you know, and it's not really a question we can answer, but I wonder how much of that would change if it became okay to say, you know, no, you don't have to live together, you know, because maybe you value a lot of parts of this relationship and you don't want to throw the whole thing away. And you'd actually be better for each other. Right. If you didn't live together. Just like. Uh, I mean, I mean just, I'm mean, i just saying that out. It doesn't have anything to do with, with my my personal relationship, but why not? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of where I've, always, where I've always been. If it works for you, who are we as the rest of society to point fingers at it? And say, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Well, but Isn't we do that with so many things. But again, that's where we make our mistakes. If somebody finds happiness, shouldn't we allow them to be happy? Well, you and I think so. Okay. But well, we, don't I mean I would think our listeners agree with that. We like to get we on don't our want, we don't want high happiness to, a society. We we don't want happiness to to define our, you know, to meet our definition of happiness. But it's easy, you know, it's easy to say, well, it's okay for me, but it's not okay for you because if you do it, it bothers me. Which I, I, I agree isn't right, but I'm saying I think that's one. That's a subconscious thing that I think we all fight to a degree as a society of this. You know, it it's not okay when you do it, but if I do it, it's understandable. Somebody on the radio I was listening the other day, I think explained this pretty well. They said there's this tendency, right? Um, we always give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, almost always. If if you do something wrong and sure. you know it's wrong, you give yourself the benefit of the doubt. Like, say you ran a red light, right? The immediate assumption that you make is, well, I just didn't have enough time to stop, right? You know what? I mean, there's really nothing I could have done. We make excuses for ourselves. Yeah. Well, and, and we're we give ourselves more credit. You know, it's like, well, it really wasn't. I really didn't run the red light. The light just changed too fast. So, I, you know, there's really no way I could have stopped. But now, and you get a ticket, right? So you've rationalized it in a way that's like, well, I, you know, it really wasn't within my control. Or I'm speeding, you know, and I didn't know what the speed limit was. And, you know, and that cop was mean. And, you know, but then when somebody else does that, well, we say, well, they deserve that ticket, right? 
They should have gotten fined sure. for going through that red lighter. They should have gotten they should have gotten pulled over for for speeding. So I guess maybe part of this is fighting that tendency to not give other people the benefit of the doubt, right? The immediate assumption that if they've done something that we see as different, that it's not okay because it's different. Yeah, that's right? weird. That's not right. Right. But then we all have, because we all have these things, these stupid, weird things that to other people look very strange that we do, right? And we rationalize it's okay. and it's okay that we do them. You know, so... I would agree with all of that. Maybe that's, I think that's probably a bigger part of this that people have to try to think about because it's hard to recognize it. But I thought when that was explained to me the other day or when I was listening to the radio and that was explained, I was like, you know, that's, I think, very accurate. And that's part of why a lot of fights start in relationships is because we give ourselves the benefit of doubt, but not the other person the benefit of the doubt. So looking uh, at looking ahead here, what we're going to talk about next is the gay secret to better marriage. This is uh, based on a survey and was written up in the New York Times about same-sex spouses actually feel more satisfied with their partners than their heterosexual counterparts. What have they figured out? Keep it here on The State of Us and you'll find out. The State of Us. Here's your host, Justin T. Weller. Researchers recently asked three sets of legally married couples, heterosexual couples, gay and lesbian couples, to keep daily diaries recording their experiences of marital strain and distress. Women, Lance, in different same-sex marriages reported the highest levels of psychological distress. Men in same-sex marriages reported the lowest levels of psychological distress. Men married to women and women married to women were in the middle with similar levels of distress. So what's the takeaway here? Well, it's simple. Same-sex spouses feel more satisfied on average with their partners than heterosexual ones. But what's going on and why is this? And when we dig deeper into the data, Lance, this is... That, right, we're kind of connecting back to the start of the show here because we talked a lot about at the beginning of the show time spent on child and adult care, right? Time spent on domestic chores, right? And these researchers found out, Lance, that actually one of the big indicators of how happy couples are is how much of laundry duty they share. So, a 2015 survey found that almost half of dual earner same sex couples shared laundry duties compared with just under a third of different sex couples and a whopping 74% of same sex couples shared routine childcare compared with only 38% of straight couples. So it's all about keeping the clothes clean, keep the clothes clean and and take care of the kids, right? Well, what else is there? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you think about those are, they seem, the childcare, maybe not so much because people might, that logically, it's like, okay, we could see why that could be a big point of strain. But you think about laundry and it's like, why would that, but see, but you think about it, nothing more frustrating, right? Then you get up in the morning and it's like, okay, I'm going to go get dressed and you go to get dressed and it's like, oh no, I, you know, I don't have this, I don't have that, or this isn't clean, or what I was thinking I was going to wear is not available. And now you're, you know, now you've started your morning off, you're all 
anxious and upset because, you know, this isn't done or that's not done. And either it's your fault or your partner's fault. So either you're mad at yourself or you're mad at the other person. So, I mean, you know, you start to think about it some. And is all that why Bradley's always at a nine is because every morning his mom's He's, he's sure that his mom has his clothes clean. And so he gets to choose. He's shaking his head. Whatever soft collar <laughs> shirt makes his biceps look best that day. That's right. Okay. Yep. I, that makes a big difference, right? You got the whole, it's like, yep. Thank you, mom. Took, you made sure that everything was ready for me. So. And I guess with just a little head nod, is it mom or are we doing dad a disservice? <laughs> is, does dad keep your clothes clean? Okay. All yep. Right. Oh, ah, okay. Okay. Right. Well, that's. Practical. When you're talking no, about you've mom. been together 30, but 40, my dad does 50 years. Yep. If you don't have that stuff figured out, if you can't, you know, get in a space with your partner where you're comfortable with that stuff, that is the kind of crap that can ruin. Oh, I, the first you know, 10, 15 years of my marriage to my wife, that was, those were the biggest contention points. And you look back and it's like, that really is not that important. But in the moment, it is the most important. <laughs> it feels I mean, important. It's bigger than than the stock market or World War Three or you name it, buddy. This is it. Where who didn't put the socks in the proper place? Okay, why is this they, fork here? They got washed and drained. Right, and we, we had too many fork. forks. I don't know how we ended up with this many forks in the sink. Yep. And I'm laughing because two th two reasons. One is because, but if you I, get past I, all I that, have, then you can stay married for almost forty that's years, right? If like you, we have. If you figure you know? out the forks, boy. If you figure out the I forks and the socks, you're, you're you're golden. But I, I'm laughing because Brett and I have definitely, you know, had those moments where. But then you laugh because, like you said, you think about some of those times, and it just seems absurd. You know that that would be when you think about all of the positive things that something like that. But again, it makes sense when you. But think again, about, all the reasons why you chose that person, right, and fell in love with them, were and are spending time with them, had nothing to do with laundry and forks. <laughs> you know, but you yeah. totally throw all of that good stuff out the window in the moment over. Sure. Those little things. So that's why this is a big deal, mm -hmm. right? Well, and, and like you said earlier, I think a lot of this, it all comes back to communication and a big part of it, this New York Times piece, by the way, is also linked at thestateofus.org and you guys should check it out because it's a, it's a big piece and there's a lot of data and we just can't go through all of it with you. Um, but there's a lot of data about straight couples too, because that's a big part of this is looking at, well, why are these things different? And I think one of those, and this is what Lance and I were discussing before the show, is this idea that in a straight relationship, it's easy to fall into those, uh, you know, gender. Soci I call them societal stereotypes. Yes. Societal stereotypes. Um, the, I mean, I, I get married all of a sudden I've got expectations. Mom of you. already did. Mom always did the laundry. Mom always did the cooking. So I just so your expect wife's gonna do my wife things. to do that. Right. And, and, but, but why? Well, we do it because that's just what we've grown up with. And that's what we and know. What we've seen. And so we don't have a conversation about it, which is where I think you're going with this. There's no conversation to be had because that's the way it was. In her household. Right. And that's the way it was in your household. So you just fall into the roles. Well, and if we're going to stick with the stereotypes, then you play this out in same-sex relationships. If we've got two females, then maybe we both collide at the sink because we're about to do the dishes, right? Or maybe right. we both run into each other trying to put stuff in the dryer and it's like, well, wait a minute, you know, 
we we shouldn't both be trying to do well, this all is this. stupid why not get yeah. up that's my show that's on tv and i had to get up and right. go to the dryer and miss my show when you were already here when you were already why here? didn't you tell me you were going to do the laundry and then if we're playing off of the stereotypes for guys it's all of a sudden you know something stinks and the the sinks overflowing with dirty dishes or or we realize that and everybody's nobody's hung- done the laundry right and you're both hungry and nobody's cooking any food uh, right so well, i thought you were going well, i thought you were going to yeah so nobody eats and then we get, you know, so. Then you but, get hangry and I think have a Snickers bar. More often than not, what, what we've discovered is it's not really those things as much as it is these individuals realize we are going to have to talk about this because we can't just assume that one of us is going to take care of it. Same sex couples have to talk about it. Yes. Whereas, because they can't fall into those gender stereotype roles, as you say. Because they're not available right. for them. Because to just, they don't exist. Yeah. For them. So so I think that's the big part of it is. Which comes down to what I said at the beginning of the show, just to make the complete circle here. And you said it just a couple minutes ago. It's communication. One, you don't communicate because you just fall into the stereotypes. The other one, you don't have those stereotypes to fall into. So you have to talk about it. And when you talk about it, you both probably leave the conversation being happy. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of this. That makes sense. They And they like things done this way. And they know that I want things done this way. And so now we can be happy. And so then there's more marital bliss or, you know, relationship bliss because the conversation has taken place over the little things that will split a relationship apart. Here's another one, Lance, that I think – I was just thinking about as you were saying that, that starts to make a lot of sense. One of the stats, because this mentions that gay men, right, are the relationships at the top of that in terms of satisfaction. Satisfaction and, right? and togetherness and enjoying and everything, right. Now here's this, the article doesn't talk about this, but this is just a, I'm pontificating here and we'll see if it makes sense to Lance. A stat that's often brought up in a negative way about gay men is that on average, they have significantly more, they date significantly more people before they find Mm. their long-term partner. Mm -hmm. And they also do a lot less dating and a lot more uh, casual Mm -hmm. encounters, Mm -hmm. I guess is the way we'll put this for Mm family-friendly nature. But on average, they sometimes have two or three times as many partners before they get married, if they ever get married. And so I guess to me, what that, what that, when you put these two things together, that they have the highest level of marital happiness is the ones that marriage isn't right for aren't ever getting married. And the ones that it is right for have probably seen a lot of what's under the sun. Are waiting for the per, the, the one that fits them the best mm-hmm. in order to make the commitment. Well, and maybe if they even find somebody who's not a perfect fit, they're more willing to hold on to the positives because they've seen the other negatives that are available. You know what I mean? So it's a it's a relative thing. If I if I've been with, you know, 20 people, emotionally, physically or otherwise, and I've realized that 15 of those people are really not the type of people that I'd want to be with, the other 5 you appreciate more the good things about them because you realize the alternative options. And the pool's not as big either. Sure. So when you find someone that you have a lot of positives with, you're going to work very hard Mm -hmm. to keep that because the odds of being able to find someone 
or lower. Who, who checks off all the boxes for you is is less, right? Yeah. I mean, yep. does that is that kind of where am I kind of understanding? I think that's you all in the bit? same, yeah. you know, there's these components that don't come into play, but there's also these other components of there's something to be said for if you have a better idea of and this is we're seeing this trend with millennials as a whole putting off marriage. And that's part of this. Well, we've talked as about people that get before. older, right. they're more comfortable with living apart because they know who they are and they know what they well, want. Well, they spent time alone. Right. They didn't just, like me at 21 and 19, mm -hmm. jump into a relationship and then we're still there. Right. I mean, we grew up together. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we had been separate and married when we were 35, we'd have had 15 years of living on our own. And having those relationships and things like you said. It'd be physical, a different experience. It would be a different experience. Not sure. necessarily better, but I think that's that speaks to some of these changing dynamics. The last one Makes I'll sense. the last one I'll mention here, because I think this is critical. Lance and I talked about this. Children living with same-sex parents experienced on average three and a half hours of parenting time per day compared with just two and a half for children living with a heterosexual couple. Lance and I thought about this a little bit ahead of time. And I think what we came up with is one of the big reasons behind this is if you have kids in a same-sex relationship, there's a pretty good chance that you both definitely wanted kids. There were you know? no accidents. And you probably talked about it a lot more on average than those straight couples. And you have a large pool of straight couples, and this is just being honest, who weren't planning on having a kid and probably didn't talk at all about it prior to ending up with a child. Bringing a third person into a relationship. Right. Like you said, it all goes back to that uh, communication, right? I think so. I mean, I think I've proven my point. And if you agree or disagree, you've got to get in contact with us and let us know because that's how we know whether or not we're doing a good job, right? Is if you're letting us know that you like what we said or didn't like what we said. Lance circled this at the end of the New York Times article. As families evolve and diversify, we have new opportunities to learn from each other. So Lance, Gotta if, learn. if we want to learn from each other, right? That's what we're trying to do here at True Chat a little bit. We hope so. What, what, is our, what is our mission? What are we hoping to accomplish? Well, we're trying to learn people by providing honest, open, and respectful conversations. Learn them. We're just trying to, we're just trying to learn people. So if people- As much as we can. If people would like to invite others to learn, mm -hmm. to get educated, uh, to join us in these conversations, what are some of the ways, because this is a radio show and- uh, it's a syndicated radio program and a podcast. So what are some of the ways people could invite others to tune into this as a podcast? Because it's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Well, besides just go going to True Chat, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, and anywhere else fine podcasts are found. For the state of us on True Chat in Urbana, I'm Justin T. Weller. And I'm Lance Jackson. Special thanks to our producer, Bradley Butch, for keeping us in line today. Thank you all very much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Be the change. Be sure to check out our website, thestateofus.org, for books, articles, and all the ways to tune in, thestateofus.org.